Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grade traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two while sampling a beer. Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing and this week's Market Report. Welcome to the Market Report. What follows are my thoughts or gut instincts on what the market is going to do. It is not an instruction to trade. Any decision to trade is yours. Market report for week commencing 9th of August 2021. It is absolutely manic on the phones in here this morning. It's rained, everyone's been doing a load of harvesting and everybody wants something done three days ago. So we're kind of keeping up. I mentioned in previous weeks the lorries situation. It is seriously ugly out there trying to get stuff moved. It's not about necessarily the places that can take it. It is physically finding the lorries that can physically move it. And expectation from farm is that everybody drops everything the minute they ask. And it's sometimes proving to be a little bit unrealistic. So it has been a very busy week. I'm going to start with all seed rape. With us in this part of the world, we're probably 70% cut. One of my growers said, I think the phrase he used was, he allowed himself to become optimistic, which was obviously a schoolboy mistake. Much better to be a pessimist, and then if the yield comes in sort of vaguely disappointing, you aren't disappointed because you've already had that experience. Well, let's dream of four tonnes a hectare. It hasn't made it. We are probably in the 3.2 to 3.6 range. So three and a quarter is about where we're at, I think. So that's a little bit down, and the oils are a little bit lower as well. Some of them are okay, but largely... They just haven't quite got the same percentage of oils. Base price is obviously a lot higher. Currently, 435, 440 for harvest movement is where we're at. That's a great price. Our oh, goodness knows what happens to the oil market after this. If you don't decide to sell at harvest time, you then have a storage charge, and goodness knows what happens with the world's oil supply. So, is it a good price? I'll leave that for you to decide. I think put it to bed, get the money, and trade something else later in the season, perhaps. There is obviously a problem, we're going to mention it again in a little while on malting barley, but in Canada, I think the AHDB put some sort of junior member of staff on putting a report on what they thought the Canadian rape market was going to be and came up with a five-year average low yield and 19 million tonne crop. Well, that genuinely is a schoolboy mistake or schoolgirl or school it, whatever. The dynamic of the crop in Canada is it is a once in a 20 year terrible experience. So the yield is going to be probably somewhere more like 12 million tonnes and that is going to be obviously telling as the season goes on. Right, moving on to feed barley. There is demand into boats. There's demand to find lorries to get the barley to the boats. So probably 150x is the value that's trading quite happily. Seems fairly buoyant. I mean, there's not a lot of space beyond the cargoes that are going out. I don't think that particular market has got any weakness in it at all. So if you've got storage and you don't have to sell it, tuck it away. And I think you'll make a tenner out of it for hanging on for a few months, at least. Unless the whole market collapses, which yeah, we'll another story. But it's a robust market, is the point. Moving on to my favourite subject at the moment, which is malting barley. We're pretty well done on the winters. The Broadland area, which produces every year absolutely amazingly fantastic barley, is doing its trick again with just perfect winter barley coming out. But it's a little bit later than everybody else. So I would say we're about 80% done if you take the whole of our area. We are pretty well 80% moved as well. We've moved everything we possibly can, frantically trying to make sure we're clear for when the next big wave comes. And the next big wave 
wave when the rain stops because Friday, Saturday, Sunday forecast is poor. But looking ahead looks quite favourable. No doubt that will change. And I think there'll be everything that's left being available at the same time, which is obviously going to make it even more exciting. So winter malting barley, the market for immediate movement has been trading at 170x or 75 delivered store for immediate movement. It's kind of happy and has been happy trading there. The malting barley market itself is very hot, is warming up as well, because back to Canada, they've got a major, major problem. And Canada are a big exporter of malting barley, and to the point where they might even be importers, some of the rumours and gossip. So take them off as a supplier and you create a problem for the rest of the world to supply the goods. So I think underlyingly, barley's going to remain firm all the way through. The only problem is, and there's lots of people quoting FOB cargoes, which is free on board, loaded UK port, sterling values of cargoes around 210 for November, which kind of puts X farm 195, 200, something like that, you know, in round figures. There's a minimum spec on the nitrogen, and I have not seen a single sample over 155 nitrogen yet. So it isn't as straightforward, because don't forget those continentals don't actually enjoy flavour in their beer. They like just to have yellow stuff that fizzes a bit, and it doesn't really matter what you put in there. A couple of dock leaves and a few nettles, and they'll be happy. But they won't like classic pale ale, you know, slightly warm, proper stuff like what we drink. So our export quality might struggle with that a little bit. The other thing that's becoming very clear is the size of the spring barley crop. The early samples are low nitrogen just like the winters, but I think there's a very big crop coming. I appreciate the weather might spoil it yet. It's not all cut. We've started. It looks brilliant. I was up at Holcomb yesterday with our Adnams contract barley, and I have never seen more perfect barley. 1.2, 1.3 nitrogen. Beautiful, beautiful barley. So I think looking ahead, we're likely to see, on the basis of what I saw up there, good yields, lots of it actually being up to the mark. The retention is exceptionally good. So I think it's all very well having a very, very firm worldwide malting barley market. The biggest issue is going to be getting it moved. And I don't think that is going to be very easy. So if you've got storage that you're deciding whether to keep one commodity or another, and you're cutting your malting barley dry, I would suggest you possibly tuck that bit away and look to market that later certainly the spring barley market you know there's lots of prices being quoted at the moment but when people realize how difficult it is to move and that the export isn't necessarily such a straightforward question i think we're going to see it trading in the 180 185 range for immediate movement barley i think i'm quite happy to miss barley at more money than that because to take it into store and then pay storage on it and then pay finance on it and then try and flog it at a later date it's very hefty prices to be doing that at. And I think other people will promise the earth in terms of, here's the price, aren't we clever? And then, oh, I can't move it. Oh, I can't move it. And it'll be September or October before you get someone anywhere near you. I might be wrong, but I think the size of the crop is going to be detrimental to price for the main heat of the harvest period. You know, I'm giving you that from the hip. I'll be accused of being a merchant of talking the market down. And if that's the case and other merchants pay more money and they buy everything, I'm completely wrong. But I think there's going to be a surplus floating about the place that has trouble moving. So, yeah, a hot malting barley market underlyingly is really good news. It's not going to drop out of bed. The feed market underneath it is firm. So it's a very, very buoyant, good year to be growing malting barley. And the malting varieties have performed better than the hybrid feed barleys. There's no two ways about it. The kilo weights are there. The yield is there. It's much better than growing feed barley. So for those who think that malting barley is something for the dark ages, they're wrong. It's going to make much more money than growing feed barley. Which leaves us with just wheat. 
So the volatility in the wheat market is immense, as we've mentioned in recent weeks. The rally is nothing to do with us. If you traded just the UK, I would say it would be going down. The French quality product is the Matif market. That's been bought because people are trying to secure milling wheat as a backbone. Canada are a big exporter of wheat. That's going to be an issue. South America's got troubles with production on corn. Underlyingly, the spring wheat crop in the States is poor in the Dakotas and so on. So there's a number of issues around the world. I mentioned Russia. Russia's got a smaller crop that have definitely kept the thing buoyant. Lots of people buying the product. However, in the UK, we will be producing a surplus of wheat to what the UK requires. We will therefore need to export that surplus. The surplus at the moment is five to six pounds out of sync with the values of exporting it. So we cannot export it at this point. That's fine as long as everyone can absorb the crop and hasn't got to sell it. And that's where we come into problems. The other thing that's just happened is, obviously we've mentioned about the old crop, new crop changeover. We ran out of wheat. We really got down to the wire. We've relied on French imports to see us through to new crops. So if anyone ever says, ah, we never run out of wheat, we didn't run out of wheat because we imported French. But if we hadn't, we ran out. We definitely ran out of UK wheat. And I think it's a sobering moment that, you know, for consumers, strategic stocks, there were some big prices paid. And some of the guys who were short on the market have been paying some exceptionally high prices on farm and into the trade to cover their fixings. We've taken advantage of that. We kept a bit back. We supply the people that we like to make sure that keep going. We have got to the place now where we're empty. The last load of old crop wheat other than stuff we've saved on a specific contract, has all gone and all of our stores have become empty, which is a first for a lot of years. So great moment. Anyway, so in my opinion, and on the basis of a light land field that was cut by one of our store members, they normally, because it's a light land field, produce something in the region of three and a quarter tonnes average on a good year, maybe three and a half. They have combined and delivered an over-the-Weybridge dried sample weights, produced a crop of 4.04 tonnes per acre, which is a 10-tonne crop, nearest damn it, per hectare. Now, in my opinion, the major wheat fields, or the big producing, they will be good yields. They won't be exceptional. They'll be 10 or 11 tonne a hectare on these really strong wheat-growing lands without any problem. The difference in the crop size this year will come from the light lands. Now, I can only speak on behalf of Norfolk, and I apologise. I've heard stories about the Fens potentially being low kilo weights and one or two other places having some problems, and I might change what I'm saying on the basis of that information flowing through. There's not enough information yet. All I can tell you about is the stuff in my face on the farms I've been trading with for 25 or 30 years, and there is a four tonnes an acre yield out of light land. That is a big crop. So I am bearish on the basis of yield and potentially capacity to deal with that yield as harvest goes on. For the next two weeks, there's plenty of people who've still got supplies to secure. But beyond then, when all of it's coming in and people's sheds get a bit full and they need to sell a bit or whatever's going on, at that point, I think we start to see a little bit of pressure in the UK. In the meantime, the world may well be dragging us in a completely different direction with the market going up and up and up. So let's hope that's the case.
Anyway, that was a sort of a talk without a breath, that one. I hope you get the gist of where we're at. It's a good harvest. Farmers generally are happy, but there's some serious stress and some serious pressure going on. And we've got some farmers who, to my mind, look a bit shaky around the edges. So all of you lot, keep your chins up. It is actually, if you put it in perspective, good prices, good yields, and the fact that a lorry doesn't turn up on time isn't enough to jump off a bridge. So just keep everything in perspective. These are good times following 18 months of kind of strangeness with COVID and what have you. So harvest is a time to enjoy, despite the fact you're under a bit of pressure and working hard. With that in mind, we've got the second part of me talking to Aylstrom Chairman Bob Claben. He'll be talking about his farming aspect as opposed to his role as being a chairman. So with that, let's hope the sun is shining and we're all happy. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. The Dewing Grain app will keep you updated with real-time industry news, data analysis and insights into the market, giving you all the information you need to make informed trading decisions. A commodity selling feature enables you to source prices and receive direct offer notifications informing you on what Dewing Grain are looking to buy and at what price. Search Dewing Grain on the App Store or Google Play to download and with all of these features in your pocket, you'll have more time to sit back and listen to our podcast. To set up a trading account with us, call 01263 731 or email info at And now it's time for Farm Chat. Right, we've got a part two Bob Claben conversation. We last week had a conversation about Ailsham Grain and the job as being chairman. And this week, Bob, we're back with a fresh cup of coffee to uh, talk about you and your farming. Excited yeah. about that? Well, this has sort of been sprung on me. I didn't realise I was doing a two-parter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Much more natural. Just one thing I forgot. We did forget to mention the very hard-working, I'll just go back to the Arsenal Grain thing, our very hard-working board at the moment. And some of the guys have been on there 104 years like you have, haven't they? Yeah, they have. I mean, I've been there, I think, 32, 33 years, which is probably getting to nearly long enough. <laughs> Simon Shaw has been there as well for a long time. But, you know, David Tan has been there. He's been, 20. he must be 20 odd years, yeah. 25 years. Ian Dean has been there. I mean, we always called him the young boy at one point, <laughs> but he's now been there 12 or 14 years, I should think. Yeah as our health and safety man. Jake joined us and I'm very unfortunate to do that horrible, horrible illness had to leave. And so, you know, since Jake, we've had young James Hammond come and join us, haven't we? Yep, he's been there. He's now got into it. He's helping Rob with the uh, mechanical side of things and... Yeah, then we brought John Harrison in because we're sort of starting to think that some of us long-time service perhaps should be coming off the board and yeah. John Harrison seemed like an obvious choice to come in. He's a member that uses the store. John is relatively young, but he's still in his 50s, isn't he? Yes. <laughs> but young James, we're relying a lot on him because he's only about 28, I think. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so, yes, all on your shoulders, James. All right, so away from Alton Grain. So we had to mention him because we didn't last week and I just we felt guilty, didn't we? So there you go. You've got to mention, lads. So, Bob, I appreciate you're chairman of the grain store and I appreciate how, to me, I think I save your life every year with brilliant marketing. In reality, cereals for you are a bit of a break crop, aren't they? We aren't the make or break of whether you make money, are we? No, potatoes really are our make and break crop. But, yeah, some years you get a very good year because we're still playing the market of having no contracts on some. Ooh. We are moving more into having contracts. Father never had a contract in his life on potatoes, but the market is so volatile now that 
Pip and I just decided that this is not the way to go. We just need to have a bottom in our market. So that's what we did. Yeah. A few years back, we joined in with Jamie Harrison and Walkers. Yeah. And then we progressed to Kettle mm-hmm. with some contracts. And now we've moved to Bartlett's at Westwick with Rooster right. for various reasons. Well, it's local and there's global. You're saving the planet. Yeah, potatoes that they're going to get are literally going to be produced sort of five or six miles down the road and some even only two miles down the road. Yeah. So although they've got to come from slowly to here to go back to Worcester. Yeah, that's still not much of a journey. It's not much it? of a road miles issue. The no. same as when the group's applying kettle. You know, we were all within about 20 miles, so road miles on kettle chips was pretty good as well. Which is where the whole of the world is heading, isn't it? Let's face it. We've got to be more aware of every ounce of oil we're burning up in achieving these things. You mentioned your dad and not having contracts. I remember when I first came to Alstom, he came in and he said, you know, sort of sussing me out as to whether I was any good or not. And he said, "Um, if I think it's the right thing to do, I don't see the point in just doing a bit of it. I want to do all of it. (laughs) He said, if it's right. Well, that's what he did. If it's right, it's right. Right, he said. He, went, oh. he used to sell all our wheat on one day. <laughs> yeah, death or glory. On that day, his philosophy was that if it was right to sell one ton, it was right to sell the whole bloomin' lot. Of course he's right, if he was right. If you're the new marketing man, and I say, right, now's the day, and then it does whatever it does and goes up £50 a ton, it doesn't give you any cover, does it? Well, it doesn't, but he was still happy because he'd made the decision. Oh, I agree. He, you know, rightly or wrongly, it was his decision and he felt it was right. So that's what he used to do. So when I started doing forward contracts with you and marketing a bit marketing a bit here and a bit there, he used to say, well, why didn't you sell it all then? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, Dad. It might go up a bit because we've now got sort of 3,000 tonne of wheat, whereas we used to have 1,000. And uh, I just couldn't sleep if it was to go up 50 pound a tonne, but... Yeah, can't sleep if it goes down £50 a tonne, but there you go. Let's not discuss sleepless nights over grain trading. Obviously, it never affects me. I liked his style and the fact that he did convince me that he was completely content if he'd made the decision, if only everyone was of the same like. You know, a lot of people have a brilliant hindsight traders and he was very refreshing and he was completely as good as his word. He went, right, we're going to do it, bang, I'm happy. You know, that's the end of the conversation and he was. Well, I think that's how he felt about Elsham when he first sort of came up with the idea. Our grain storage at home was very antiquated, whatever the word is. Antiquated. Antiquated, yes. And we'd got wooden bins inside an old barn and it was very slow and the combine was getting slightly bigger. And I think we were the last people around here to get a combine with a cab on it. (laughs) I remember taking over on the combine at eight o'clock because our old combine driver, that was quartered away. He was going home. That didn't matter whether you'd got 50 acres left in the field or three acres. He was still going home. So that's when I decided that I was going to drive the combine just to finish a field. But I used to sit there some nights with a coat on, which was getting a bit much. So I was quite pleased when he finally relented and bought a combine with a cab on (laughs) since then your tactic hasn't been to be slow in making sure all of your kit is correct have you that's one of the things you did at house you mentioned it last week where you renew stuff you don't mess around you say right that needs to be done we're going to do it you've had the same tactic on the farm because the tractors that come in annually or very regularly they're changed you don't run old stuff into the floor do you no we're changing at least one tractor a year But, you know, it's potatoes a lot of the time that is enabling us to do that if we've had a good year and Pip's marketed them well. But we're probably over-mechanised, actually, on the farm to what we've got. And when we've done various benchmarking exercises, yeah, our machinery costs are not the cheapest. But, 
in a year like last year where we can switch from cultivating and drilling to ploughing and power harrowing to get the crops in. So we've still managed to get 300 hectares of winter wheat drilled. Mm. And this winter barley was all in. So, yeah, we sort of cover most bases of what we've got. Well, on the basis of that, last autumn was particularly difficult, wasn't it? And yet you think the wheats that you got in in good time are looking as good as ever. Yeah, I think so. I Well, touch wood, I think we're in for a good harvest. The winter barley's gone. Well, as I said last week, our screenings haven't been the best, but it's improving now. I think a lot of that was actually down to the fact that I'm not patient enough to wait. And when it was 28 degrees last week... I was thinking, yes, we should be combining, although it wasn't 100% fit and we weren't making the best of samples. And Sam, my combine driver, was getting somewhat frustrated that, A, he couldn't get a decent sample and the trailer driver was complaining because Elsham was complaining. And at the end of the day, I just said to him, well, Sam, I think it's probably my fault, the fact that we shouldn't be here and we should have waited till next week, but... There let, you go. Let's be very clear, this is an Almy, isn't it? We had, this is an Almy, We had his yes. dad on a few weeks ago, and Sam got a mention then, so yeah. Sam, I know you listen. Oh, yeah. listens regularly on a Monday morning, yes. <laughs> well, and just... he'll be informing the uh, rest of the guys that uh, Bob's on podcast, you need to listen this week. <laughs> I'm shocked they don't listen every week. The cereals went in, I mean, you must have dropped your acreage of wheat down a bit, or did you? Did you manage to get it all in? No, we managed to get it all in, we did. We've actually dropped our acreage of spring barley okay. this year. And we've actually got some all-seed rape this year for the first time in several because of changes in the potato mm-hmm. business. We've got some land that we couldn't irrigate, so we've dropped that from potatoes and got 20 hectares of rape, which went in in early September. Wasn't the greatest. We've actually got a bit of a sweepstake between Sam, my son, and our agronomist, Matt. We all, and I think it was about December time, we put down our expected tonnages into Sam's phone and the, the winner or the one closest on the tonnage is getting a case of beer from each of the others. So we'll okay. wait and see. Matt's actually on holiday at the moment, but he reckons he's coming back to ride in the combine to make sure we don't fake the results. <laughs> Who's got the biggest yield? Sam's got the biggest yield and I've got the lowest yield. <laughs> the pessimistic old sod, oh. I suppose. Well, if winning that two crates of beer was the be-all and end-all, a thunderstorm would help you. <laughs> yeah, it would do, although I'd rather not. You'd rather Sam won, wouldn't you? I'm not expecting to win now. It does look a lot better than I expected it to. Well, it's the last week before you can cut it, or is it a week away or a bit more than that? Well, we round up it off last Friday... Today's the 27th of July so recording that, this. So this is two weeks ago, so you should have the rape cut by now. Yeah, so I think it's probably another 10 days away from yeah. the 27th of July, probably. Well, hopefully the thunderstorms will pass without touching you, and you'll have, well, Sam will win. That's what we want on the rape, isn't it? Yeah, Sam's expecting to win now. Just one thing you mentioned a minute ago in the potato conversation. But your brother, Pip, has been doing the potatoes. We see him, you force him to come around to him at least once a year, don't you? We always like to see Pip on the Weybridge. Yeah, he comes in. He used to be in all the time. He used to do a lot of the haulage into Elsham. But now, because we've got a bigger combine, we've got four trailers on the road most of the time, sometimes five. Mm. But he does try and spend a fair bit of the summer. He's out. We're still irrigating potatoes. He's Mm. digging potatoes to sort of then let me know when he wants Sam to burn them off. So, yeah, he still goes into Elsham. Yeah, we haven't seen him yet, have we? Yeah, he has been in with some barley. He went in last week. He's actually on holiday this week. Okay, so we've got to wait for the wheat crop before we see him then. (laughs) Yeah, And his old fast track, has he got rid of that? No, he's still got the old fast track. And it is an old fast track, but no one else drives it, but he likes it. It's the only one in the county, isn't it, that old fast track? Oh, there can't be too many of them about now. (laughs) 
I mean, that must be... How many years old is that tractor? No, it's not that old. It's just... It's... Uh, what it is. is it? About... Ten? Fourteen, I think it is. Yeah, so exactly. It, no, no, fourteen plates, I think it is. So it's about seven years old now. Yeah? Yeah. Did he have a fast track before Yeah, that? he had one before that. All oh, right. Yeah. Okay, so not the same one from day one. No, then. not the same one. All right, all right, Pip, I'll be watching. That'll see be if, in again this see year. See if it breaks down, old bus that it is. So your wheat acreage is up, your spring barley acreage was dropped down because you actually managed to get the wheat in. Which do you think of all of your crops is the best looking crop of the year? Which is your biggest potential yield-wise, do you think? Wheat, I think, yield-wise. We've got some kinetic, Mm -hmm. which we put in behind peas, so it went in early into good conditions. Sam, with the agronomist we've got, has been playing with fertiliser, so I think it's had five doses of nitrogen as opposed to our normal three. Right. So they've sort of spread that out as a bit of an experiment. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that looks fantastic. Kinetic isn't everybody's favourite variety because it is prone to yellow rust, but Sam's very keen on spraying and does a ridiculous amount of hours on the sprayer. So he's quite happy to, if Matt says that needs spraying, to get out there and do it. Have you managed to keep Septoria out? Because that's been quite an issue this tail end, hasn't it? I think so, yeah. They look all right. They look quite clean at the moment, so I'm hoping that... Yeah, it's going to... But it's still two weeks away, most of our wheat. I don't think we're going to be doing much for probably a fortnight. Mid-August. You know, the heads have not even started going over yet. No, well, that is kind of refreshing to have a year where, you know, just does this, it doesn't matter much to you as long as you get it in good nick. But a number of people live so close to the line on their stocks, you need to be reminded that every now and again, it isn't a white piece of paper that says, I've got new crop wheat coming in on the 29th of July. It's going to be 5th, 6th, 7th of August before any real volume can come from even in off the fens or somewhere in land. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So all of our stores will be empty of wheat. We're still not quite empty yet. It's the end of July as we record. But it is hossing out next week without a doubt. And it'll be quite refreshing to sweep everywhere out completely. And yeah, we've got a big tonnage coming, I think. I mean, most of our area didn't quite have such a terrible autumn on the you know north of the year. It's slightly kind of land in places, and I think most people did get the bulk of their planned cropping in, didn't they? I think so, yeah. I mean, we got it all in behind potatoes eventually. It was a bit of a struggle. But like I said earlier, we're sort of fairly over-mechanised, and at times we've got quite a lot of staff. So, yeah, we got it all in, and it's looked pretty good. We were getting a bit worried when we were having the drought, we were getting very close to getting an irrigator into wheat. We did put an irrigator into winter barley, mm-hmm. but then it did start to rain before we started the wheat. And kept raining and raining and raining. Yeah. And <laughs> then we've had plenty. I mean, this is the... It lacked a bit of sunshine the in The least June, irrigation we've done for several years, I think, this year. Well, rain in May quite often means that we get a bigger crop. It's just finishing it with sunshine would give it the absolute optimum we didn't probably quite have enough sunshine i don't think i don't know we'll find out soon yeah we'll see i think there's still a potential there it Good. would well, be I, nice I, if it I, just stopped raining and was i dry. love your optimism i think you know it's great the more tonnage there is the better i mean our tonnage you know within doing grain dropped from 240,000 to 190 last year and i can only blame the farmers for not planting it in the first place there's nothing to do with the weather there but, was some of that yeah you know either that or our customers left but i've looked through the data we actually gained customers not lost them some people flip around but largely it really wasn't there and i think no it wasn't there i mean we didn't get anything like our average yield last year no and i mean like you know jeremy clarkson's farm the land agent comes in and says right you know you did all this work and you made about 100 quid or something for the whole year before the subsidy comes in but the reality is there can't have been a lot of profit made last year on farming i don't think no probably not i mean it was a struggle it was expensive to do to get the crops in and yeah the yield wasn't there at the end was it an okay spud year 
No, Spuds was not. We've still got potatoes in the shed now that mm. we've got about three lorry loads left, which hopefully are going tomorrow and mm. Thursday. So, yeah, it's not been the best of years. There's just a glut of them. This People year. aren't eating potatoes like they used to, especially the pre-packed varieties. People want more of the processing. They'd rather have a chip or a, that's yeah. already cooked, that's easy to cook, or a baked potato that's already part-baked. So, you know, you can cook it in 10 minutes as opposed to an hour. Yeah, yeah people are going for pasta rice. I think sort of pre-packed potatoes are definitely on the on way the down. So looking ahead, I mean, potatoes is something that most farmers can't do easily because the land isn't right for it it's got to be certain types of land there's obviously a future in that there are lots and lots of people have disappeared from the industry there's still an opportunity that's still going to be the cornerstone isn't it of your business yeah we're hanging in there at the moment we do look at the price the figures every year we know we do ahdb benchmarking and whatnot and yeah we've dropped some varieties and some contracts and taken on others it's something we look at every year. I'm not convinced that by the time I retire that Sam and Pip's son, if he comes into farming, will be growing potatoes. You know, there is a huge risk to doing it. So where is the opportunity? I mean, you've got Coastal Farm and Home Farm at North Walsham is sort of five miles from the coast. You know, would you diversify into tourism? You know, I'm just chucking things out because you've got black currants within your farm that you contract. Yeah, I sort of manage the farm next door and he's growing about uh, 130 acres of black currants and we're increasing the area. Mm-hmm. They seem like a good crop. They're very... Uh, I mean, every crop is weather orientated, but black currants are even more so from frosts to too many frosts, not enough frosts, too cold, too hot, not enough rain. They really are completely controlled by weather, yeah. even more so than any other crop, I think. It's quite staggering. Some yields are disastrous this year, from what I hear. And Ben, who's mainly on the black currant side, he's in a WhatsApp group. And yeah, some people have been expecting to harvest sort of 52 bins in a day and have only done 12 or 14 because the crop's just not there. Ben Robson, I believe, was... He got some sort of award, didn't he? Yeah, he he did. I think it was two years ago, got the quality award because we took Ben on probably, I suppose, about four years ago now. Completely had nothing to do with farming in a previous life, but just wanted a change in career. Mm Mm-hmm. And it just coincided with us taking Ben on. And we also joined Mark Buckingham doing his black currants. And Ben has just sort of thrown himself into it. He seems to really enjoy it. He definitely knows more about black currant growing than I do. (laughs) He's harvesting today. We've got about 24 acres on our own land of black currants. So this is the first major pick, the first proper pick on our first field this year. And yeah, it seems to be going very well. I haven't actually heard how today's going, but they did some on Sunday and yeah, got a good crop. So he was very optimistic about it. Can you still harvest in the rain? Does that affect it? You can't do it in the rain because if they get too wet, when they then go to test them, it then dilutes the sugar. And where do they go to? They go down to Thaxter's in Somerset. So they're all for Ribena. Okay, so they put in boxes? Yeah, plastic crates. Okay. So there's approximately uh, half a tonne in a crate. Okay. So there's 52 on a lorry and on a full load. But what they try and do because of road miles and all the rest of it is Mark sort of works out if we're in a good crop, he'll book a full lorry load or maybe even two lorry loads if we're in a very good crop or a load and a half. And then they'll make the loads up with sort of other farms that are reasonably local. Well, they're certainly in Norfolk anyway, to make loads up. So they're actually going all the way down there. The so full load. There's a diversification. But back to tourism, are you going to look at that? Because it's location and there's an awfully large number of yurts and holiday this and caravan that going on. I mean, it's location is as much as anything. And you've got some very pretty corners in the bits that you found. Yeah, 
we have been looking at it. We haven't actually done anything for this year, whether we should have done or not, I don't know. But yeah, Rachel's certainly been contemplating it. We have thought about a farm shop because my daughter's been working and managing a farm shop near Norwich. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's gone out with the York, sure. she's gone out with a Yorkshire person. Yeah, so she's she going out with a Yorkshire person. So we're not quite sure whether she might end up marrying this Yorkshire oh, person. Blimey. I don't know. Yeah, it's no good for the shop, is it? Well, no. We better have a word. I don't want that move. <laughs> well, perhaps she'll end up running one in Yorkshire. Keep it in the county, Bob. We got you know, it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not right to marry someone from outside, as we all know. <laughs> No, bless her. Sorry, Sophie. (laughs) So where you're located, there is opportunity, isn't there? I mean, goodness knows what farming is going to go through with Mr Eustace and Liz Truss's deals with various despot countries. But, you know, what are we going to be doing? Where is our money going to come from? Are you able to, you know, if you've gone into black currents, that means you're capable of changing direction. You know, are you up for change or are you going to think, no, I'll see this out for about 10 years and then let Sam do it? What's your thinking on that? Well, Sam is very much of the mind that he's going to expand it. Mm -hmm. And farming, he's into farming as opposed to into tourism. So Mm. whether in time he'll marry someone that could run that side of it at the moment, well, like I said, we're thinking about it. We better look at this CV for him, haven't we? Well, check out, yeah. (laughs) Are they inclined for it? In the process, he's got to find someone first. You've got a benefit in the fact that your son is into farming. Lots of people's sons are not. You know, the succession is a major issue. The relief must be great for you to think, you know, at least my lad wants to do this. That's the massive thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. That's all he's ever wanted to do. I did uh, persuade him to go to university to do agriculture. He made a year and then he came back. He did a year away, or no, a bit more than that, 16, 17 months away on a big farm near Newmarket. Learned an awful lot there. But yeah, he's only ever wanted to be a farmer. So I've never had to worry about what we're going to do with it in the future. No, it's big. You know, there's a whole generation missing. And gradually as the years go on, there's less and less people inclined to want to do it. Yeah, no, he's quite happy to get up at four o'clock in the morning and go spraying and he'd still be round at 10 o'clock at night if we're combining. So yeah. it's just what he loves doing and it's what he talks about. All his mates are either farmers or work on farms. They're all related to it and they're all talking about it. So it's great. Yeah, no, I agree. Yes. He comes back from the pub and tells me what I'm doing wrong and what we've now got to go and spend. But... <laughs> yeah, well, anyone who's got children knows that particular issue. But yeah, having someone in the... I have Josh coming through, but you know, I've got a young team also... It's trying to keep a future ahead planned. It's a tough time, not just for farmers, that our industry has shrunk so much. You know, it does play on your mind. If Josh hadn't come into the business, I probably would feel a bit different about it. But he is in it. So it's kind of like at the right moment to start stepping away, I guess. I reckon I'll do that in about 15 years' time. (laughs) Sorry. I just laugh at my own jokes. So the future... You know, it looks rosy, doesn't it? I mean, well, it does. Yeah. I mean, Sam is so into farming. That's all he wants to do. Pip's got a son, Charlie. He's, what, about 12, 14 years younger than Sam. But whether he'll come into it or not, whether they'll work together as closely as Pip and I have done in the past, I Mm. don't know. I mean, Pip and I have had a good working relationship. Father was very clever in the early days of pushing me in a direction to do sort of cereals and spraying and whatnot. And Pip went into potatoes and the fertiliser side. So we yeah. didn't get fed up with each other. Dad was very clever at sort of almost no, keeping us apart. So wise. in the autumn time, yeah. I'd just go off drilling cereals and cultivating. Pip would be in the shed or on the harvester on potatoes. And yeah, then he markets them all the way through. So yeah, it's worked really well. 
Whether that's how it'll work in the future, I don't know, because there is this age difference. But yeah, we'll see what happens in the future. It's a strong business and you don't want division within it, do you? So you've got to somehow see the parts and put the jigsaw pieces in place well ahead of the game, as far as I yeah. can see. Never but Charlie's cool. only, I think, 10 or 11, so it's a bit early to say yeah, yeah. what his interests might be in the future. So Yeah, absolutely. As father said to me when Sam was born, we were talking about whether we were actually having Chris and Sam or Samuel. And dad said, well, he'll only ever get called Sam. But then Rachel sat there and she said, yes, but he might be intelligent, Jim. So he might want to be a lawyer or accountant. So Samuel might go better. (laughs) Well, dad looked at Rachel then. (laughs) No, he'll be a farmer. No pressure. So he was Chris and Samuel, but nobody calls him that. Yeah, as predicted, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, here we sit. Harvest has really just begun. You know, by the time this podcast goes out, we're going to be into wheat. The rate will be cut. and I'll know whether I've had to buy a case of beer. Yeah, and um, we'll also know whether your predictions on wheat are correct. I mean, I would love it if you were right, and it is a really good year. I've just seen a lot of septoria come into lots of crops in the last month, which has dampened our expectations. But I do still think we're going to have a half-decent year. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I do think it's going to be a half-decent year, and the prices are good. I'm sure some people have sold forward and got some good prices, and there's still marketing to do. But yeah, I think it's going to be a better year than last year, put it that way. Let's settle on that. All I'll say, Bob, is that, you know, for someone who said he was going to be nervous about doing this, you settled in rather well. (laughs) Well, you've been trying to get me to do this for an awful long time and I keep managing to dodge it. (laughs) Covid was quite handy, actually. (laughs) (laughs) No, but the point is, it is easier than there's other people who said, oh, I'm not doing that. But once you lose the track of the fact you're holding a microphone, it's no different to a conversation we normally have, is it? Not really. And we've been having conversations for an awful long time. Well, for 25 years anyway. So Absolutely. And you can always waffle away anyway. (laughs) Bore people to death. (laughs) People put this on to go to sleep, you know. Is that right? Good night, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Bob. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get new episodes as they are released and follow us on Twitter. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 or email info at dewinggrain.co.uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio in Norwich.